0: Welcome to STEMiverse podcast episode 59. In this episode, Peter talks with Dr. Chris Matthews. Dr. Chris Matthews is passionate about connecting culture and mathematics, having developed a method of teaching mathematics to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students through dance and story. He teaches students to bring mathematics to life by crafting stories in which characters take actions that add, subtract, or divide. As Chair of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Mathematics Alliance at CIMA, Dr. Matthews also organizes camps and conferences designed to promote Indigenous participation in STEM and to support mathematics outcomes for Indigenous students. Dr. Matthews highlights the importance of engaging Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students in mathematics to ensure they are prepared for life beyond school. Maths is one of those subjects that is a gatekeeper to jobs. It gives access to other opportunities in life and is important for every student, said Dr. Matthews. This is STEMiverse podcast episode 59. STEMiverse is a podcast produced by Tech Explorations. Our mission is to help educators become awesome at teaching STEM, be it at home or in the classroom. Whether you are a professional or casual teacher teaching in a classroom, or a parent or caretaker teaching at home, this podcast brings you the knowledge and experiences of practitioners, academics, entrepreneurs, and lifelong learners who are passionate about education and strive every day to help our children prepare for life in a world of radical change. And why not? Abundance. Hi Chris, how are you today?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on.
0: Awesome. Uh, thanks for making the time. Um, so you are Dr. Chris Matthews. Uh, you are an Aboriginal man. So I was looking at your profile. From uh, okay, your, your profile ha- is telling me that you are a new nucal man. Did I say that right? <laughs> oh,
1: it's, it's, it's Newcastle. It's, new it's Knuckle, the, Sorry, it's I wasn't sure on, how to pronounce it. Knuckle, to yeah. ask. That's okay. That's okay. So we're I'm um, from New Knuckle people. New-knuckle um we people. actually call ourselves yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're we're from the Kwanamuka people of uh Manjuribur. So Kwanamuka is Morton Bay. So Kwanamuka people do make up of three clans, which is New um, Nugi and Gurumpul. Um, so that becomes part of our Kwanamuka people nation. Great. Um, and Minjirabar is uh Island. Kylm where our community is mainly based. Uh, but out of Minjuriba.
0: So that is uh, in Queensland, somewhere, right?
1: Yeah, so Morton Bay, just off the coast of Brisbane, mm. and uh, it's a sand island called, um, which most people know as Stradbroke Island. Yep. Um which in our language is Mungirraba.
0: Great, and apart from that, you also love mathematics, and you're a mathematics teacher.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I had a, a uh, well, I had a career as a as a research mathematician, so I did a PhD in applied mathematics my time doing that for about 10 years hmm. um but for a lot of reasons i sort of drifted away from the that sort of side of mathematics and really want to delve into mass education hmm. particularly for aboriginal kids across australia
0: right so you have a phd in mathematics and applied mathematics you spent a bit of time in academia and now you are essentially in a way, on your own, as we're talking a little bit about uh, you know, your current situation earlier, you are a consultant, uh, but you also work for Atsima, uh, or Atsima, I'm not sure again how you pronounce that.
1: Yeah, well, we, people say either one. So It's a bit <laughs> like potato and potato, I
0: suppose. <laughs> okay, good. I feel bad about it.
1: Tomato and tomato, should I should well, well, Yeah. I'm not, I'm not too fussed, but ATS, ATSMA is the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Mathematics Alliance, so I'm the chair of that. Yeah. Um, it's a non-profit organisation that we're trying to develop, um, and the, the vision for ATSMA is to have it's for all Aboriginal students to be successful at maths. That's our vision.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um and,
1: and, and, and we firmly believe within that vision that um, the way to do that is to look at how we connect mathematics to Aboriginal people. So we want to make explicit connection between maths and culture, yeah. but also between maths and Aboriginal culture.
0: Yeah, everything's connected, isn't it? So everything's um, connected. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, this is something I'd like to drill into a little bit later, but before that maybe re- let's rewind the clock uh, mm-hmm. a little bit and just uh, uh take some time to tell us about your background like your your concise history so that our audience can get a better understanding of where you came from and like how those influences and experiences uh, that you gained and earned over the years brought you to where you are now and can go as far back as you like as a a child perhaps growing uh, in Queensland I guess Um, and how did that get you to decide to do a PhD in applied mathematics Uh, it's not something that everybody does, right? And to, yes. to you know, essentially, to give up academia and to do what you're doing now.
1: Yeah. Look, um, I um, I was uh, I actually go back to my to my early education. Mm-hmm. Um, I was um, I actually grew up away from my community, so um, I actually grew up in a place called Toowoomba, yeah. um, and in a lot of my education, I actually was not. I wasn't a very successful student, put it that way, mm. particularly in primary school. And I think particularly in mathematics, I, I was struggling. And and the reason I was struggling there is that my learning style did not suit the process of te- teaching at that point in time. The process so of teaching there was really, that did not fit in there. Mm. What the process really was centred around was um, a, a lot of quick recall and rote learning. Yeah. And for me, that was a stress, stressful experience. Um and and we cope in different ways around that. Like I even tell people that I got caught cheating on my two-toms table when I was in grade two. And only because no, you're me. forced. <laughs> 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 only because when you're a child and you're forced to call something on the spot in front of a whole lot of people. Yeah. You know, you start to panic, and when you start to panic, you do these silly things like try and, you know, pull a bit of paper out and cheat, you know, that sort of thing.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't call um, it So silly it was action. quite a human. That's <laughs> what you had <laughs> that's to do. Right. That's the environment <laughs> made you do <to> it.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's not that I couldn't comprehend things; is that the quick recall thing was was the stressful yeah. thing. So, um, and and for me, that's not really what maths is about. But we can talk mm-hmm. more about that later. Yeah. But. Yeah. In my educational journey, I was, was being a very successful student.
0: So, uh, um, sorry to interrupt you, if, if I understand right, that experience with mathematics and the way that it was taught actually gave you a bad taste. You disliked mathematics, right?
1: Yeah, it, it was, um, I don't know if I disliked maths itself, but I it disliked that experience. That experience itself. Um, I, I don't think I really necessarily walked away from mathematics necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I can never really remember saying I really – actually, an interesting thing I actually rediscovered was I looked back on one of my um, photos when I was in primary school, and it said, what is your favorite subject, as I normally do on the card. Hmm. And I did put down mathematics, and I didn't didn't realize that I actually had that sort of then, I think. But there was a a point there that, that that process was not working for me. Um, it wasn't until actually was... So I did well enough to get through primary school and to actually do the procedures and learn the procedures. A lot of the, the stuff was about that owning your facts. You're learning the process of doing long multiplication or dividing and things like that, you know. So we're just learning the process of how to do mathematics. And I could do that to extent enough to pass, but not to be exceptional or excel in it or think mm-hmm. that it was you know, good. But the, the, the turning point for me is being in an algebra class and... That then sort of changed my mind about, you know, that that there was all sudden there's this things that sort of fell into place for me. I remember thinking that this is easy. I can see this and then this is easy. And I didn't really understand that why at that point in time, but I thought to myself, this is simple. And then for, I think looking back, I used algebra to put some of the pieces back together that I didn't get in primary school. But then the other sort of turning point in my math was... Um, there was, uh, when we first learned about uh, calculus, and I remember sitting back in that in that classroom thinking, that's just a brilliant idea. The mm-hmm. whole idea behind the limit and that infinitely small um, uh, dx, what we call it, you know, is just a, such an exceptional idea. We're actually changing from this, Discrete number system into this process where flow can be so can actually richer. exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so much richer, and and then that's sort of really turned turned me. So another aspect of my personality where I was um I was always into science fiction as a kid.
0: Hmm.
1: I always loved um Star Trek and Star Wars, and I was, that yes. <laughs> I was in that period Isn't of time. I was in that period of time in the. <laughs> I was in that 80s you know was from the you know from 83 to 87 so I was in that sort of time period where Star Wars and yeah, computers Space were War. starting to become part of uh, uh, and and also it had that promise of this uh you know this this future that everything I think was the, the alluring thing for me as well
0: it was all in its uh, infancy right all these technologies but the potential was there and that were excited us
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. So I taught myself how to program when I was there, and I and I did, and we did a course within my math education, which is um, what we call numerics, which is um, mm-hmm. you know where we look at the, how you use computers to solve math problems, and I just really excelled. Um, um, so there was, to me, the connection between maths and and computing. Was a thing that got me really interested.
0: Uh, so the, you had uh, a revelation with algebra, and uh, you started liking mathematics because of the richness of the the language and the system. I guess that that offered. You were in the environment of um, seeing the, in the popular culture. You had Star Trek and Star Wars, and you had uh, technological um evolution in real life with the internet and home computers and then you you had a computer that you could actually program, right? Was it at school?
1: No, I, I actually um convinced my siblings to uh. put our pool our Christmas money together to get sixty so yeah. four as, uh, yes. as, a, as a computer for the house. So so um
0: <laughs> uh, I spent a lot of time on a Commodore 64, but uh, playing games uh, mostly. So <laughs> I had an And Apple, we all did. Uh, yeah, uh, I had an Apple computer back then. I had an Apple II that I, I used that for programming, but it, the graphics were not really good on the Apple II. So I'd go to that mm. other friend of mine who had a Commodore 64 and play games with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was great. So so you started programming, right? Um, how was that experience? Because you know, programming back then, it's not like you could go to YouTube and see how another programmer did some work or like write a program. You had to actually struggle to find the resources and to sit down and learn. Did you have a teacher?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, basically, read. Manuals, manuals any manual i can get my hand my
0: sister my older sister was doing a course at the
1: time through her schooling so she introduced me to some of the coding mm. but then i just went to as many books as i could find to um, learn how to program and basic and experiment you know you experiment as a kid mm. i think that's one of, the, one of the beauties of youth you sort of and then you'll get in there and you'll give anything a go and you'll try this and try that and you'll you manipulate things and use things for your own purpose you know yeah and that process is a, is a really strong process of learning and I think uh, I delved deeply and the reason too I, I almost admit here that I delve deeply into computers is I was really hiding from the world and I, and I want to make sure there is an aspect there that is um, was, was a need for me because it, part of my schooling because I grew up away from my community 'cause I was generally the only Aboriginal kid in the class. Mm. And even and, and racism from teachers as of well as students. And and that wasn't that wasn't every day. It was, you know, spasmodic, I suppose is the word i probably put around that. But those episodes really affected me. Um, so part of that for me was actually dim. So I can actually um, hide away from people in front of a computer. And delve into my right. own world
0: yeah i think, and I think that's
1: why yeah. that sci- that science fiction interests me too because that, that particularly star trek had this sort of promise of this utopia
0: yeah all different races you know, um,
1: technical utopia we're all coming on, together on and yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so so it's it was that sort of thing i think that you know looking back you you cling to within those times you know so, so I was very, um, uh, you know, I was, I was. do. I mean, I did have my group of friends at school, and I do acknowledge them. And they were a really strong group of friends. Mm. Um, as you do, that the when you're in those situations, the friends that you make during your high school are real friends. You know, yeah. for that reason, because um, they're not just, you know, because they are all. They like their bike or something. You know, you really develop strong bond.
0: Yeah, um, and they're part school, of your life. With
1: smaller with... group. So, yeah, they can become part of your life. Um, I don't see them very often now, but but they still are, you know, fondly remembered. Yeah, friends. and
0: I guess uh, even if you see those friends after like ten or twenty years uh, interruption, it's still like you've known them forever, literally, and uh, you yeah, just yeah, pick exactly. We exactly. left off. So, yeah. so you there, you are. Like these are your early uh, memories and experiences with mathematics, uh, with technology in general, but also with learning. You mentioned earlier that learning mathematics in the early years because of the system that was followed to do the teaching um, it was not very interesting and effective then you started picking up computing um, programming um, algebra of course and i guess your uh your learning accelerated became stronger at what point Did you realize that uh, the mathematics is where you want to spend uh, your time as you grew up and perhaps as a career as well? And also, did you ever think at that point that you'd become a teacher?
1: Um, Well, there's a few things that actually happened around my high school that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I knew from the experience around Toowoomba that I needed to get out of Toowoomba. That was my thing. In my head, I just wanted to get out of Toowoomba and experience something different. So I knew I wanted to get to university down in Brisbane to get away from from, from there. And uh, also, as part of that too, um, in my mass education, I knew that I was um, actually better than my non-Indigenous counterparts hmm. in mathematics. And that gave me a lot of confidence to, to search for that university career path, but also for, uh, to, to not get bogged down in what they're saying I should be because racism is about saying you're not better than me, yes. you know? And I knew that I was better than them, you know? Um, yeah. And then one turning point for me too, particularly when it comes to um, a group of, uh, um well, they were friends. They weren't all, um you know, not every person was racist at the time, but there yes, were groups was... of friends and they organized that they weren't understanding it. A lot of the, um, content through the, we teaching numerics, which is the connection between uh, computing and mathematics. And they were struggling with numerical integration, I think was what was actually taught them. Um, But anyway, so they were struggling with that idea. So they asked me to run a class for them. Hmm. So they had to do it. So one lunch break, we actually booked out the computer room and I ran a class on on numerical integration for my peers. And interestingly, there was quite a large number of, Students turned up for that, huh. um, 25 to 30 students. So I ran a class effectively for the very first time. And the one thing that stuck to my mind is one of the one of the, my, my mates come to me and said, you know, you really need to become a teacher.
0: Yeah. So this is high school. You're still at high school now. This is
1: high yeah. this, this, They're still in high school. Yeah. And they said, you really should become a teacher. Um, so I sort of planted that in the back of my mind because I knew that I really wanted to study mathematics and computing. Universities in '88 didn't really offer um, a strong course just in that. Um, the IT revolution everyone was doing IT, which was not exactly what I wanted to do. Um, so IT at that time was really about information technology, how you store information, databases, you know, retrieving information, stuff like that. So, I, you know, I could do that stuff, but it wasn't where my interest was. Mm. Decided just to pick up any computing course I could or any math course I could. Um, I ended up going to Griffith University for my undergrad, so I was mm-hmm. picking up any maths or computing course that I could during that, during that, for a um, science degree. Uh, but also as part of my university career, I was, re- I was heavily involved in what they used to call the Aboriginal and Australia units, which supported us um, through university. And um, I think it was pretty much after my first year, I actually started to tutor through the Aboriginal Australia, after my high school experience of teaching my peers, I then moved to university and was teaching um, other people through my university mm. time there as a one-on-one tuition um, and also involved in programs where we were inducting uh, other people into the university system. Things that they had to teach was how to use a computer and so forth. So I was always teaching in some form yeah. through my yeah. university career. And eventually I went into postgrad and I naturally slid into the tutorial system. So so yeah. you can say that... Of course. <laughs> Or a whole been life since hot teaching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've been teaching for a long time in that sense, without having a formal teaching qualification.
0: So you, then, uh, I guess you got your bachelor's degree in science, right? And then you decided to continue with a PhD in applied mathematics.
1: Yeah, I, I actually did my. I, I had no idea what postgrad was because this is mm. the this is this sort of, um, I suppose, some some. Students who know the university is university, they have that culture of that. And because I was pretty much first in family type person, mm. an Aboriginal person as well, you, you don't know the system. So I, I remember finishing my degree and, and actually was finding it hard to get a job. At the time, I said, You need to do an honours program. And I said, What the hell is what that? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I have no idea. Um, so I ended up just going to talk to one of my teachers and he and they looked at my marks and said yeah let's let's do honors so I did, I did one year of honors and and that you point for me too it really solidified all the mathematics I was learning and that was the first point where I actually was doing like you know like computer modeling where we were modeling oh, an environmental situation on a computer
0: yeah
1: and we did it for a year on doing that and that's, that's where my, you know, that's when I knew from that point that I was going to
0: do a PhD. So that is what applied mathematics is, if you could clarify that. Uh, we understand mathematics, but then applied mathematics have to do with computations, right? Especially those that you can perform on a computer, am, am I right?
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, a lot of the uh, equations are written down for uh, environmental systems or complex systems, that we call it. Mm. They usually involve what they call a partial difference. Differential equation and the forms that we need to model the world around us can't be solved analytically. You, know, you can have simplified versions that can be, but you know they can't be solved, you know, analytically. So, the what we do is we develop um, numerical techniques, or there has been numerical techniques to get uh, approximate solutions to those oh, equations. Yes. You know, so so you look at how those systems, um, how those solutions. Uh, behave for the systems mm-hmm. and then we use data to back up our evidence uh, to say that this is behaving as we expect
0: yeah that, um, and then once back. we have a model
1: yeah to behave as expecting then we can say well we can project it in the future to see what it tells us
0: <laughs> and that's how uh, you do things such as predict the weather using a supercomputer right exactly exactly and um i remember from when i was doing my my computer engineering degree and we're trying to to program computers to do things such as calculate a square root, for example. I mean, this is something that you do uh, in, in, a, in approximation, especially for numbers that don't have a uh, precise a- end or uh, like a, a, a specific number with uh, a set number of uh, decimal points. So another example is, um, what is the volume contained in a sphere? Like um, there are formulas that allow you to calculate it, but if you want to end up with numbers and and, and do the calculation of a real, the the, uh, volume of a real sphere, then the end result Hmm. is uh, an approximation, especially if we're in a computer to calculate it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you did a few years of that. You got your PhD eventually. You yeah, I got my add. PhD,
1: yes. <laughs> so yes. what happens
0: after you get your PhD?
1: Well, I did a, a few, I did a year, of, I remember, was it two years, three years of postdoc, mm-hmm. um, continuing that sort of work I was doing, um, and got to visit many countries around the world, which I really appreciate.
0: All right. Um, so it's part of your, I guess, uh, conference, conferences? Um,
1: conferences, yeah. I did have the opportunity to be a visiting academic at um, the Applied Math Centre there, mm. um, and that was really, really interesting Great. for me. Um, it was more interesting, too, for the cultural aspect, too, <laughs> I must admit, because yeah. you realise how um, ritualistic those universities are. a bit better have why our systems are, are structured the way they are as well. Um yeah. So I found the Oxford experience very, very interesting wow. on a whole range of ways. From looking at how people how brilliant people actually deal with mathematics, that was definite an interest for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also at, at large, and all the rituals around it was also very interesting
0: so like uh, when you say rituals, it's a bit hard to understand um, what what can that possibly be like do they light up a fire <laughs> in the <laughs> <of> university and <laughs> uh, talk about well, it's, it's <laughs> even stuff
1: it's even stuff like um you know uh, uh, if you're if you're out to, if you're out, just having a glass of port. Mm-hmm. You know, there is there's a hierarchy to how that port is poured, oh. and which direction the port is, travels. Oh, wow. uh, you know that sort of stuff. Um, students would yeah. actually have to has to dress in certain clothing for certain situations, yeah. for exams and other situations. Um, even walking on the lawn was actually considered a, a privilege, so oh, really, you couldn't yeah. walk on the lawn unless it's, you had a certain status, you know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so all this different,
0: sort of isn't it, compared to what we yeah, used yeah, to hear? I, right?
1: suppose, I, I suppose the real stark contrast was the socialising around the corridors, because mm. I would um, normally in a strange context would just say hello to anybody in the corridor, uh, but... I quickly found out that wasn't the case when you actually walk around the corridors, (laughs) you know, you had to be a certain um, person to talk to other certain people in a sense, Uh, Um, you know, it it felt like that um, for me. And also um, even the common room was very much like a process of, um, you know, people, there was a a very open and sharing ideas, uh, but, you know, me being a visitor was not, you don't have an idea. There was a process there before you could go and do that sort of stuff, you know. So there's all these little things and some of it does make sense, you know, and some of it was like, geez, that's a bit strange, you know.
0: It kind of reminds me like of the military structure where you have to salute uh, in a particular way your superiors and you have to stand mm. uh, stand as they walk past and things of mm. that sort. Well, that's a very interesting experience. I, I wonder, did that uh in your opinion did, did that change the way that you behave well once you came back or was that something that you can easily oh, leave behind and you know i could i could place. easily leave that behind <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right, sure, <so. laughs>
1: i just i just gave me a bit of understanding about yeah. you know the hierarchy of academia or space and where Great. it all comes from um and it, that was my experience a bit. i must admit i don't want to say that's everyone's experience but that you know,
0: was my experience uh, so. i've never been to Oxford, like I've been as a visitor, but not uh, as an academic, so I wasn't able to see how they operate internally. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's very interesting. I didn't realize it was so, um, I don't know, is the right word old-fashioned? I'll say structured. Structured is probably yeah. a better word. <laughs> no, I totally respect that. I don't want to, to sound uh, wrong. Uh, it's just, uh, it's very interesting to know that those distinctions uh, uh, are so still apparent uh, today, uh, you know, coming from a place like Australia, where we, we don't see those things in everyday life, it's a, a much flatter society, mm. especially in a university. Like, um, it's, it's good to know that those things do exist, and the world is still a very interesting and rich place when it comes to all those rituals, including universities. Um, I'd like to jump into um, your current work now. So um, you are a teacher now. You're not in the university system anymore. Uh, You are teaching mathematics. Uh, You are the chair of ATSIMA as well. Uh Would you like to take a bit of time and tell us what you're working on today, um, both as a consultant and also as a chair at ATSIMA?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, as a consultant, which pretty much, you know, my work feeds in. For what, 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 what ATSMA's vision, anyway. So mm. there's not much distinction between my consultancy work and my work as a chair. Mm. The thing that I've mainly been working with is pretty much on any project where I can actually work directly with Aboriginal kids on mathematics education.
0: Mm. That is your mission, right? To, to cha- That's teach my, that mathematics, is my uh, to Aboriginal yeah. children. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So um, one of the, the big projects, I'm actually, um, ATSMA is actually collaborating with the um, Aboriginal Education Consultative Group of New South Wales and also the New South Wales Department of Education and Communities. Mm. Um, and through that partnership, we are actually REM camps across New South Wales um, in different locations across New South Wales. Um, just to give an example, we, we get about somewhere between 80 to 100 kids at each camp. Um, we run STEM camps across New South Wales.
0: Um, do those camps uh, run in schools or should I be thinking now uh, out in the bush, you go for a walkabout and uh, you do some mathematics on the side? Uh, how, how should I envision it?
1: Uh, the, those STEM camps run over three days. We usually take a place like um, uh, a lot of uh, public, the public sector have um, out Outdoor education centres in different parts of the state. Uh, so we, yes. we, we we generally use them because they've got accommodation and kitchen and it's easier to feed feed a lot of people and, and have accommodation. Yes. But they're also yes. outdoor areas. So the idea behind the camps really, and I say that to the students at the start, is that we're really here to celebrate you as Aboriginal people. We're mm. all here together mm. as Aboriginal people. It's a celebration mm. of that. And also to say that we are not disconnected from these ideas of math that you learn in your schooling, that we are deeply connected to these ideas as well. Um, mm-hmm. And from, from the, the workshops that we do, you'll you, I say them, your job is to look at, at those, connections see those connections and see those connections and think about what they mean for you. Um, so that that's the sort of flavour of the camp, is really a celebration of who the kids are as Aboriginal kids and also connecting them to see how our people... Um, used ideas that are similar to science and mathematics hmm. to, to do on this continent.
0: That's interesting. Like, uh, Could you give us uh, an idea of what those children are like, in particular the background? So, for example, you mentioned earlier that when you were young, you, were, you felt disconnected from your culture and from your people. Uh, what about today's kids or the kids that you come in contact with? Uh, do you see similar issues with them? Uh, how? Yeah, how
1: did yeah I still go? see very similar issues with them. i say from a stretch, I, don't feel, I didn't feel disconnected from my culture and the racism mm-hmm. that was the thing that was affecting mm-hmm. me. Um, but I, I still see evidence of that, unfortunately, mm-hmm. with
0: these kids. So kids are affected, even today, from racism and issues yeah. of that sort. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Because they don't feel that they belong, in a lot of the kids. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm on sport. I must say, right now that I'm speaking generally, um, you know, the you always see kids who are, you know, excited about things and feel quite connected and loved, and that's always good. But you always still see kids that have um have got that you can see that there is that that mm. disconnection for them in whatever form, and I don't know their stories totally, so I'm only generalizing. Right. Um, and, and you see um, that, but.
0: That is affecting them in school as well, right? Uh, in yeah. their capacity yeah, yeah. to Just, absorb. Uh, I
1: suppose and, the, yeah. the, I suppose the way that I know, that's important for them. I mean, no, that still is happening because when we actually do value who those Aboriginal kids actually the child does change. You know, mm-hmm. and we hear about those stories of them changing on, on schooling, on doing maths and science. On even just engaging, and you know, on, on as a, as a person within the schooling system, you know, we 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 hear about those changes, you know, and and that's really because we've had they had have had that one experience where someone says, no, it's important. We value you as an Aboriginal person. We value you. Um, you know, you you got you come from a, a, you know, a sophisticated complex culture that needs to be valued, you know, um, yeah. and unfortunately our system doesn't have a history of doing that.
0: So you create a very solid basis then for what's what's about to follow in those camps you begin with that reinforcing the identity and Mm -hmm. uh then uh, as i was looking at we're talking about this earlier you also don't just switch to mathematics so now let's switch to mathematics right no 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 intertwine what you started with the culture with the outcome which is let's learn differential equations or algebra, whatever you might be teaching on the day. How do you do that?
1: Well, we would, one simple one that we do, was I mean, I'll say simple, but it's um, its quite a powerful one in a lot always. And actually, the, the process is really about changing your mind about mathematics. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I worked with Cargoon Fogarty. He was uh, one of the, the, the uh, dan down here in Brisbane, one of the songmen down here. And... Um, He's, he's strongly switched on to the ideas that oh, I was trying to teach in mathematics and knew how, how he could do it through Aboriginal dance. Hmm. Um,
0: so he's an artist, right? He, he's a, like a, a dancer or musician? He's not
1: Yeah, he's one of our songmen, we call it, like our a Dolly Childers. Right. Yeah, yeah. Who teaches through dance. Okay. So what he does is he actually um, just looks at math expressions like three plus A, um, but instead of actually seeing it as just a fact, he actually says, brings it alive through the idea of story. So they actually create story around that idea of mm-hmm. 3 plus 5 is equal to 8. And then um, from them creating a story format through dance. And the interesting thing is, is that they're they're actually bringing that expression to life, really. They're actually really understanding what each symbol means within that expression and then how those symbols come together to tell mm-hmm. a story. Um, but then what he's also doing, it, he gives students the opportunity how Aboriginal people expressed understanding through symbolism. Um, he also paints the students um, in certain styles, and and in the past has explained the symbolism of the body paint in connection mm. to the country um, as a sort of, a, and then performs a dance of the ones they actually created. Then he does one where he he actually um, um, does of a, a he talks about how people were removed from when Europeans first arrived hmm. and split, sorry, removed as a group and split into all different communities. So he uses that idea yeah, to look yeah. at how people are divided and split, but then he brings it back and says, now we're in a process of coming back together. and That becomes right. part of that inverse, inverse operation
0: so of just... coming all,
1: everyone coming back together. Oh, so he connects the mathematics yeah. of, yeah, yeah. of, you know, separating inversing, coming back together through dividing times and um, and then has a, a big cell. So it's really changing the idea of how kids can actually see mathematics, really. Even though they understand, probably they all understand that basic mathematics that's sitting underneath mm. it, but it's giving them that extra layer to say, well, these symbols have meaning. They are connected and we can make our own stories around it if we want to. Yeah. And I think that's what's really missing a lot of our mass education is the ability to be able to create for yourself.
0: So he uses all these elements of culture, like dance, for example, the history and and the stories mm-hmm. about the past. Uh, some of them could be mythological, right? Doesn't have to be reality. Could be nah, something that comes really. from uh, Aboriginal mythology. Uh, all that uh, provides all that provides a canvas on which you can build a story that uh, ties uh, mathematics and uh, the the outcome that you want to achieve and understanding of math uh, with uh, these cultural elements. Uh, So how do kids uh, respond to all this? Like, from one aspect, in a practical sense, do they become better at mathematics? And on the other one, like, how interested are they in all this?
1: Yeah, they've become better at mathematics, mm. <laughs> and that's they one of the things calculate. that we need to do. Is <laughs> I think one thing we we one thing that we have planned to do so far is to do a proper research back, you know, program mm. around this because we've actually run the camp for about three years, so we revisited how this has helped students by going back and seeing, talking to teachers as well as students about mm. their experience. Um, we do survey students at the end of each camp and, and also teachers mm-hmm. and overwhelmingly glowing response. From, you know, they've always ranked high and they, they yeah. say this is the best thing that they've done and all that sort of stuff. But again, you can't really say what is the – I mean, we do hear stories back. And that's what I was talking about before where we've – I've actually talked to one parent who've actually said to me, under my child, <laughs> hmm. um She's didn't like science, but now she loves it. Yeah, of course. And uh, and and she even went and said that year she ended up topping the group, her grade in science that year. And that was just from that. Well, and that was that was only
0: one student. Where do you attribute that uh, excellence? Like, for example, I'm thinking that there's a couple of possibilities. One is that she learned so many uh, like amazing facts and methodologies for understanding mathematics and working with mathematics in those camps, which helped her excel in class. And another one could be that she became so interested in this that she tried extra hard to study and, uh, as a consequence, excelled. could be a combination of both, but w- what do you think? Yeah. What happened?
1: Well, my, my thinking when I heard that story was, um, you know, it was in science she topped it, but it, with maths and science, there is a propensity for mm. our students to not want to be good at those things. mm um, because it's starting to become something that's disconnected from who you are. If you don't see yourself connected as a scientist or mathematician, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I, and I think I think, think yeah. I think a lot of students struggle with that too. Not just Aboriginal kids, but a lot of students struggle with that vision of what a scientist is, and what a math- mathematician is. Um, Could
0: be another flaw for of our modern culture, right? And the
1: yeah, symbols yeah, out do.
0: there. If you're a geek, yeah, we, for do, example, have, we do have the culture. Yeah,
1: we have the culture of the nerd. Yes, yes which is there's, there's a lot of power in it, and there's a lot of sticking and stigma. changing in that <laughs> stereotype. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's also still that notion. You know, if you're a child, do you really want to be a part of that? And, yeah. I, and I, I believe that student who excelled well probably already had that ability. Yeah, uh, and I yeah. think maybe the switch was where we said no person are strongly connected to the, to this. And this experience at this camp is going to give you this, you
0: know. I guess, like, if you had, like, hypothetical X-rays, and you can, I know that you haven't done the research yet to try and find the cause and effect there, but um, if you had a hypothesis, what would you say that the um, active ingredient (laughs) in your culture plus mathematics method is that it uh, causes students to become really good at math? Uh, if there was one or two things in it that you can hypothesise that make the difference, what might that be? Well,
1: I suppose my, my when, I, when I structured the, cam- the camps itself as a sort of why you know the reason why why it did it was part of the hypothesis behind it. Mm. And really, what I was trying to do is again celebrate who you are as Aboriginal kids support you. You know mm. who you are, and I think that changes them our, our students greatly within education. Um, the other thing was, is, is actually seeing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, like the majority of presenters I get, not all, majority of presenters I get are all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that are either experts within culture hmm. or experts within a STEM field or both, you know. Hmm. Um, so they see their role models all of a sudden. Yep. Also,
0: uh, um, really, yes.
1: as well as experiencing something, you know, and then. They then it really is up to their own, you know. It, I know because I know our kids are very, very smart kids, mm, you know. Mm. Um, and they will excel if they just got that proper environment to do that, um, to believe in who they are.
0: So, you change the mindsets, right? You, you change the mindsets, mm, mm. you help them believe in their past and in their future, in particular. And uh, that the change of mindset makes them. A lot more effective in anything that they try, including mathematics.
1: Yeah, I think I, I believe so. Yes.
0: How would you adapt your methodology, uh, or the work that you do in the camps, uh, to be more precise in other situations? Where not necessarily in the Aboriginal community, but you know perhaps in other minorities, where there's a lot of other minorities in Australia and around the world, where children perhaps feel isolated and. Um, discriminated against for whatever reason. It could be a disability, it could be a you know a migrant in a new country, and they are not feeling they're not feeling welcome. Do you think and get lessons from your camps and apply them in in other situations?
1: Well, I think more important than the camps is um, I actually developed a a, a theoretical model for mass instruction, hmm. um, and I called it the Compy model. Compy. Um, yeah. Um, the reason is that um, the place where our – when I did my very first mass education project, I did it in my own community, at the school on our community. And where that school sits is is, is called Kumpi in our language. Ah, right. So I, I called it the Kumpi model because that's where, where I started, the best project where I started. Um, and really what the Kumpi model is, it's a cultural model. It's not just about Aboriginal culture, but it's a mm. cultural model. And one of the things that come out very strongly in that cultural model was this need for creativity or that 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 maths is a creatively. So if we accept mathematics as a cultural affect or cultural activity, then creativity is one of those strong attributes of that um, and, and a lot of people don't experience creativity within the mask. And I don't mean mm-hmm. just creative thinking, not not just creative thinkers. I think creative thinking is a low-level creativity. I mean real creativity like you would do if you're expressing yourself through art or music. So that notion of self-expression, how do you, how do you actually allow students to actually express in the teaching and learning of mathematics? Um, there is uh, one process, though, I, I teach in my professional developments where I'm I'm teaching growing patterns to teach linear. Um, so, and in, in growing patterns is not a new idea in mass education. It's quite an old one, but there were problems within it. Like students still had to struggle to move from the, the pattern that was exhibited to them to move to how the, the equation describes it growing up. Um, but what I did is I actually went through a process where I explicitly showed the connection between the form of the equation, how the symbols work. So symbols are the part, This important part of the pumpy model, mm-hmm. how the symbols work and how they're structured together and how they work into the, of the pattern. And once I did that explicitly with students, I then give them a separate linear equation, a different one, and get them to draw any pattern forming. And mm-hmm. that point of actually created, creating, I'll give them a blank bit of paper and I said, I want you to draw something I want you to draw something that's you know not boring like my one I want you to do something different <laughs> something where you see growing in the world because it is about growing and 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 something that's connected to you yeah. and so students for the first time have an opportunity to actually sit there and think through how would I represent this you know this patterning and in connection to this equation so they actually have to have it in the same form as that equation they're growing and the students have done amazing things like there's there's um well actually there's there's one um, teacher I'm working with from Roma Mitchell High School in uh, Adelaide. She went into a group of disengaged Year 10 boys, is what she said. And this Year oh. 10 group was from a whole different range of, of backgrounds. There are migrant kids. So there some Aboriginal kids in there and lots sort of stuff. So there's a mm-hmm. group of disengaged boys. So she went through this process, and first thing she said to me, I was surprised they even wanted to draw the things. Oh, right. <laughs> but when, but what she said was well, she couldn't believe what they drew, there was this one drawing she showed a boy doing a sunflower that bloomed, uh, but then it was it was set in a cycle. So once it finished blooming, it started again. You know what I mean? So it doesn't quite fit maybe a linear equation, but the whole circle right around to one did. But then the linear equation just started again, if you know what I mean. So it was, it was a beautiful representation of that growth. Yeah, and the way he wanted to see that.
0: Very interesting. Uh, I've never heard of uh, the... Uh, growing patterns methodology before, so I was doing a little bit of research uh, here. Uh, there's a few things on the internet, but uh, I'll ask you later if you could uh, give us uh, some documentation, links perhaps, or books. There's a couple of papers that I found. Yeah. Uh, yeah for example, I found just one now by Jody uh, Miller, Young Indigenous Students' Engagement with Growing Pattern Tasks, a semiotic perspective from the Australian yeah. Catholic University. Uh, would that be related
1: yeah, uh, what Jody did was uh, not quite exactly what I was doing. She was actually looking at how students perceive patterning mm-hmm. rather than actually patterns for themselves. Yeah, um, okay. It's still an important paper to, to read, obviously, but this is a little bit different. Interesting. Um, and it's also, I suppose, important, because she was working with early years too, and, and, and just sort of repeated patterning and not linked to uh, equations within themselves. Yeah. But the, 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 you know, going back to Amanda Petter's story, I mean, the one that really um, surprised Amanda was this one, one student wanted to actually do a drawing of the, uh, the foster care system where the parents were the things that, you know, thing that stayed the same across the pattern. Mm-hmm. And, and they actually had this community of kids growing around them from, you know, from the lives they've actually affected or changed, you know what I mean? Well. So that's yeah. the way he, he wanted to. So, so that's a lot about the student and where they're actually coming from if, they, if the students feel safe to express themselves within that classroom. And for whatever reason, the boys in that point wanted to do this and want to express who they are and express themselves in doing it. And then and at the same time, they're learning quite a um, mathematical process. You know, they're actually understanding what a linear equation is and how it works. And um, the, the other part of that story, just to finish off, sorry, i we're going a bit too long here, um, is that she actually set a test a couple of days later uh, she did her own pattern, and they needed to write the equation for it. And the te- the students um, put up their hand and said, "Miss, I don't think you got your pattern right." <laughs> <laughs> and I explained on, to her <laughs> how how they how she didn't get it right, or how it was ambiguous. You're actually all right. There it is ambiguous, and I really meant this. So she had to redraw it on the board. Well, so this is a sort of deep understanding. I think allowing kids to engage in that process of thinking how the concept means, what it means for me, and then seeing how it's connected to the algebra is mm. such a powerful way of teaching.
0: And it is, uh, would you, if I understand it right, I'm, I'm not sure if I have the, uh, a good understanding of the, the growing patterns methodology, but would you say that this is a, a tool for creativity as well that can perhaps be applied in uh, not just in mathematics but in anything?
1: Ah, oh, look, I mean, patterning is all around us in all different ways, and that's mm. one of the interesting things about patterning, and that's why patterning's all written through the mass curriculum. And patterning's part of art, music, mm. and mm. everything, you know. Um, our whole world is is exists with patterns, so <laughs> yep. it can go cut across a lot of different things.
0: And, uh, as humans, we really like patterns, don't we? Like we look up at the sky yeah. and say, "Oh, that's Mickey Mouse. <laughs> it's a cloud. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, awesome, yeah. Uh, if you could uh, just uh, provide some resources, or at least um, like a good resource, uh, I'd be very interested to have a look at it because I think uh, it's going to help me with my work as well. So I teach electronics, and uh, I'm always looking for uh, like a method that can at least help students begin. And I find that the beginning of learning anything new is probably the hardest uh, place for a student to be until they get the footing right, so anything that can help towards that i think it's awesome
1: what i could do is i can yeah. give you a draft the whole lot that i just described to you but in more detail yeah if you like <laughs> anything yeah whatever and there's also say. links of a talk i did actually with it with yeah. me describing the whole thing too so i, could, that, I can send. Uh, you
0: I think you've got some resources on the ads in my website including videos of you presenting mm. uh, would it be one of those that are good to look at yes it would be yeah All Right great great I'll check those out now um, I wanted to switch to mathematics not just just mathematics nothing else as a skill that students need to have in order to do well in life in general especially going forwards you know like technologically advanced society with a lot of you know uh, competition from everyone uh, all the time is math more important than ever in your opinion Um. Is it more important than ever? Yeah, I mean, I, I
1: never like to put a hierarchy on things because I think maths is important, definitely. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't be teaching it. But I think what is our ability to allow our kids to be creative, really. Because, you know, um, one of the things that always, um, in, in looking for the future, people try and preempt what the future industries will mm. be and try and teach that. <laughs>
0: yes. yeah.
1: Universities uh, try and do that. try and do that all the time. Um, and we're never going to know 100% what's going to be so those what you're industries
0: saying, in the future. Uh, what you're saying is that the uh, university now says, come and get uh, XYZ degree from us because in 20 years from now or 10 years from now, when you graduate, or say five years, sorry, that's not school. In five years from now, when you graduate, uh, we're going to need another 300,000 of those people with those qualifications. And exactly. you're saying, exactly. how do you know things change so quickly?
1: Exactly. Exactly. and. And nine times out of ten, I think, people well, mm. they have a, a glut in the system of so many X people and they don't really need all those ex-people. But you know, just X people, it, in accountants. In <laughs> I still need accountants. There's always going to be some stables, yes.
0: <laughs> you still need Agreed. doctors, right? But we just Agreed. don't know what kind of doctors. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know. I'll take that back. Do we? Because you see artificial intelligence coming, and um, I look at my accountant. Uh, he's doing a lot. Like, a lot of the work in accounting, like, I just picked a random example, is routine that, in a large extent, it's been automated by software. So it's not that we don't have the need for accountants anymore. It's just the accountant today doesn't really do what they used to do 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm. We've got a shift in a lot of uh, the traditional types of work. And, of course, we've got a lot of new types of work, like... When I ask my kids what do they want to be when they grow up, they say a YouTuber. Um, yeah, <laughs> is that a profession? <laughs>
1: uh, well, it might well be.
0: Yes, I've like got like that. I've got a daughter <laughs> like
1: that as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, but, uh, but also, uh, what I suppose mean, what I'm saying is is that the skill we really need to have is definitely still need math, still need you know basic skills that we've been teaching for years. Mm-hmm. But we need we need to know we need to be able to support students' creativity within, within schooling. Because at the moment, I think their creativity is squashed. Hmm. Um, and, and particularly with mathematics, mathematics has been taught the right learning procedural type stuff. There's nothing creative about it. And that's what hmm. drives people away. So we need to ex- embrace that notion of creativity for our students. Because with creativity comes innovation, you know. And, yeah. and one thing yeah. that I always hope for our students is they're the ones deciding what the future industries are going to be.
0: They're the ones going to be it. designing
1: the future industries. Yeah. yeah. They're going to be able to pull all these different, you know, inputs together, you know, because we're living in such a different world even from my lifetime, you know. Yeah, just that's the, birth, the huge thing. You know, all this stuff these kids are growing up in now, they have to be able to pull this together in some form and see what a potential future for them and also maybe society might be. Hmm. And I think that's much much more exciting. To delve into that and that's that's why i teach mathematics is to actually see it as 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 something that you can be creative with that is deeply connected with the world around you it's deeply connected with you as a person through culture and and then you know thing with all that let's put all together and create a future
0: okay so now you changed mathematics uh as you're saying all <laughs> that i i'm thinking that you know you you are coloring in uh, mathematics as something that has many dimensions one of them is obviously the practical dimension i want to be able to calculate like how much my groceries are going to cost as as i'm walking through the aisles and i'm editing all the costs in my mind so i'm throwing them throwing the products in the basket Uh, it's just a practical thing i want to be able to uh, to do my taxes and uh, uh, not get confused when I get change, even though I'm using credit card these days. <laughs> I don't have to worry about counting <laughs> change. Uh, so anyway, th- that's the practical aspect of mathematics. But then you put in the, the creativity aspect where you train your mind to be really good at problem solving, at recognizing patterns, um, modifying patterns to create new patterns. Uh, creating uh, new types of, of work and, and products and outcomes that uh, we've never seen before. So as you say that, it seems to me that mathematics is bigger than what it used to be when I was at school, at least. My dad, who was uh, who is a mathematician, used to say, you really need mathematics because no matter what kind of job you get, uh, you're going to need them. But now it's like... Mm-hmm. If you want to have a successful and creative life, you need mathematics because you teach you a particular way of thinking. Hmm. Is that something that you know when you're teaching mathematics you you are considering and in integrating your methodology?
1: Um, like the, sorry, the, the
0: creativity I've, aspect. i doing monologue yeah, here for a while. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yes, yeah. Sorry. The, <laughs> the creativity <laughs> aspect of mathematics is uh, probably more important yeah, yeah, than yeah, the uh, practical.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In sen- in some sense, it is. I mean, I think there's a heavy emphasis on. Uh, again, we've still got this idea that we need to know the facts and be able to recall them quickly. Hmm. But I think what's more important is 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 the creativity aspect, definitely, because those skills will come. You know, those skills will come in understanding how to multiply two times four or two, you know two times six. Yeah, I can ask, um, Siri. and even even even. Uh, great mathematicians are very good at doing mental arithmetic, you know, because yeah. their, their mind's actually on other things, which are, which is uh, the must, much deeper mathematics, sort of looking at connections and relationships and things like that, you know. Um, yeah. So that, for me, is more implication. And then what's really interesting for me, too, is that actually fits more better with Aboriginal culture mm. and, and and its philosophy. Mm. Um, one thing I've been doing, I'm working with the Yirrkala community in Arnaland, and they've been trying to do a what they call a um, two-way education in mathematics for mm-hmm. uh, um, since, since the 80s. And that actually started from a fellow named Dr. Yunupinu. He He's a lead singer of Yothi Indi, mm-hmm. uh, but he's also the first Yungul principal, Aboriginal principal mm-hmm. at Yadakala Community School. And um, he started the whole idea around Garma Mass, and Garma Mass is actually connected to, to seeing how these two systems, knowledge systems can come together, the Western knowledge system and Yungul knowledge system or Mm. Aboriginal knowledge system. Mm. And he said the strongest connection between those two systems is mathematics. Mm. And he went as far as to say is the Yungul mathematics is gurutu. And what gurutu is, is it is actually in English translation is kingship. Well, in Aboriginal Mm -hmm. philosophy, what that means is that as a people, what we're trying to do is build connections with everything around us, not just people. So kingship is actually developing an intimate relationship around us um, from the way the stars move through the sky, through the animals and plants, you know, all the cycles of the animals and plants and so forth. So within that, they say that um, everything... It's connected with an invisible core connection. And from that, there's a whole series of patterning that exists from that. So there's a really strong connection between patterning thinking, thinking yeah. things and patterns, and thinking yeah. things and connections and relationships. So Aboriginal philosophy is actually about positioning yourself within the pattern, your responsibilities within the pattern, which is a little bit different from science who wants to see yourself as an objective observer. Yes. But Aboriginal yeah. philosophy sees themselves within it and connected it within part it. Of
0: the the cosmos part of the of nature i wanted to ask because obviously yeah. i'm not familiar with uh, that aspect of aboriginal culture um as uh, what is the relation between aboriginal mathematics i'm not sure if that's the right term but i want to understand as a westerner would i understand or recognize i should say a mathematical way of Aboriginal thinking? Uh, Is it like, for example, an explicit way to calculate uh, something that I can see as one plus one in my Western way of thinking? Uh, What is the equivalent in the Aboriginal way of thinking or Aboriginal mathematics?
1: Well, Aboriginal culture always had some form of number and also had Mm. forms of grouping. So there was a a process where calculation could take place.
0: Right. So there were groups, there were numbers, there were Functions,
1: yeah, yeah, I uh, know not necessarily functions. Um, I couldn't say that far, I mm-hmm. don't know enough to say that far, but in terms of trading and things like that, there's a lot of uh, um, oh, historical right. stuff yeah. where they where Europeans were trading large numbers, of Aboriginal terms about numbers or something because they yeah. through their own culture had the idea of number yeah, and grouping and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, a so, so in, in a sense, there was, yeah, yeah, so in a sense, there was multiplication in that sense and there was addition in that sense, you yeah. know. So there was those aspects of, but I think what's more important, we're saying, is this idea of good or two relationships. Because yeah. in the kingship system, for me, it's actually almost like the Aboriginal kingship system has been developed as a mathematical model within itself.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, and because if you're actually going to build an intimate relation, the things around you, all the cycles around you you know, from the animals to plants mm-hmm. and also how the, the stars move through the sky, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're going to build the connection with all that, then your kingship will reflect those complex. And the first layer of that, um, which I find interesting, the first layer of our, our kingship systems, like I'm talking about um, yeah, the other car in too, but I think this actually was across all of Australia before colonisation. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea is the same Because the first base idea in kingship is the idea of moiety. Moiety is a Latin word, and it just means two halves. So Mm -hmm. the the uh, Aboriginal philosophy: the whole world is to split into into halves. So everything's either Dua, the two halves. So everything's Mm -hmm. in Yidija, and there's a whole set of things in Dua. And the idea behind that is to balance. So right. one of the first principles in mathematics is you have that balancing idea oh, of mathematics. The equation. Yes. You have plus and right, negative right. so you have inverse operations, all that sort of stuff. Then what happens underneath that we they break down into um, skin groups, which does vary from group to group, but in car, there's eight skin groups, They're put on two separate circles. So Aboriginal yeah, people actually cool. had kingship that's on a circle. Yeah, there's all sort of marriage rights across the circle. But what's more important is that why would you bother putting your kingship on a circle? And for me, at this point in time of my learning, and I'm only learning this because I'm not an expert. The experts are the mob up there, um, is if you're building a connection with everything around us and and everything around us actually moves in cycles and circles, there's nothing that doesn't, I don't Mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. I cannot think of anything that doesn't move in a cycle or a circle. So, that would, if you're building explicit kingship with that, to put your own kingship on a circle as well, to actually marry that and connect with that. Um, and that's where that knowledge exists that, that actually explicit connection and understanding of how those connections work right. uh, is for me, is mathematics within itself. There's such a different type of mathematics that we really have to really think about how that works and how they, how, and how they explore that. So I think Dr. Ping was right in saying that this is our mathematics, but it is different to what we would actually see as our expression of mathematics, different mathematical expression, put it yeah. that way.
0: I guess yeah. it's because it's so embedded in culture. It, it'd be hard for somebody trained in the Western way of thinking to understand the Aboriginal version of mathematics—you have mm. to understand a lot more than just the numbers, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. But also on, on the, the on the flip side, I mean, I, I sort of drew out for a maths professor when I was at a meeting once about this kingship because he was asking questions about it. So I said, "This is what I understand," and drew out what I what I sort of describe to to you. And I and I said to him, you know, if, if a child Aboriginal child actually knows this knows this system and how it works to some level should they be behind in mathematics? And he Mm. looked at me and went, no, they should not be behind Mm. in mathematics because it's actually a complex system that they're actually actually gaining an understanding of.
0: Uh, So why should they... (laughs) Be <laughs> we don't have a standardised test for that, though. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: No, no, but 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 well, we also don't recognise what that child's bringing to yeah, classroom, exactly, yeah, I'm, and there yeah. make the building connections and building the connections yeah. for them as it, either in their education. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's where I'm, part of my work I'm very excited about doing is uh, is to you know
0: look at those connections. That's really um, I, I think that that's that's powerful because it seems like. Uh, and uh, actually, I'm looking mindful at the time. I've got a few more questions, but I just want to say, like, as I'm dis- understanding what you're saying uh, over the past hour, the, the, the connections-based and patterns-based uh, philosophy that aboriginals developed over the last tens of thousands of years, uh, which also contains mm-hmm. aspects of mathematics, for practical and also for, I guess, spiritual reasons and to be able to understand the world around them has a lot of very powerful lessons that we can learn as teachers to help us go forward in, in a world that is uh, a lot more dependent on being, being able to recognize those connections and uh, those patterns. Um, if, if you could give One or maybe two pieces of advice to a teacher, you know, just starting out now, drawing from your learnings that we've been discussing, what might that be? As a, as a math teacher, you say? saying? Yeah, as a math teacher. So, uh, like, I'd, I'd like to summarize at this point and uh, say, okay, w- we've talked about a lot of interesting things. A lot of them are kind of mind benders, uh, at least for me. I've been training in a very different type of world. and uh, But I see that there is something very useful in all that. So, would you be able to yep. summarize that and like just give me some advice on how I can use your learnings to make me a better teacher?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing is to look at this notion of creativity mm. um, in the classroom and actually draw on the students, allowing students to express themselves in the classroom while they're learning mathematics. Mm. I think, inching Aboriginal kids, there's a lot of good stuff that is starting to occur within the education space. The one was the re- recent release of the Science Elaborations, NACARA, mm-hmm. which d- does have teacher background information on different ways of teaching science con- um, aspects, content, or I should say science content an Aboriginal perspective, mm. and there's a whole range of stuff that really even opened my eyes to the sophistication of Aboriginal culture within that. Um, mm. So that's a good place for teachers to actually learn some stuff, to start learning some stuff. How Our cultures were sophisticated and complex, and you can even draw some of those learnings into... Um, uh, into the mass classroom from those science elaborations as well. Um, the other one is the astronomy website. So there's the Indigenous Astronomy website as well. Um, Aboriginal
0: Astronomy website. That's right.
1: it. That's it. Yeah, and it has a whole range of of papers in there. It's a bit, you know, there's a whole range of stuff within there, but it is worthwhile. The summary papers where they might yeah. say, you know. A bit about Aboriginal astronomy, because that then will actually give you an indication of of the you know where our people were thinking and how they are thinking yeah. about the world around us as well. Um, so I think the teachers need, unfortunately, need educate themselves to some extent at this point in time, mm. and about what the possibilities are to bring in education. But even just looking into those few points that we have now would actually greatly improve the process of education for Aboriginal kids, but all for all kids as well. Because we were educating all children about what Aboriginal culture was, not, yeah. not what we've been taught
0: in the past. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I guess always, uh, as a teacher, always try to connect what you're teaching to the culture of the students. Make connections with the culture. Mm. Don't teach in mm. isolation. Great. Thank you exactly. for that. <laughs> um, let's make. Uh, let's do actually one uh, one more question. Um, this open slate here, any parting thoughts for our listeners, anything that you want to, to say to them?
1: Oh, I, looked at, I hope you enjoyed what I had to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and if you did, um, did, you know, please join. <laughs> <laughs> if you did enjoy, enjoy what we talked about, I mean, we, the ATSMA, which is um, um, the Average Australian Mathematics Alliance, has one as a member, and you'll get more of our information. Yeah, We are developing a resource page um, slowly over time, so you can keep in touch with what we're doing on our resource page um, and, um, uh, you know, get in contact if you want to know more through my website.
0: Do you need to be a, an Aboriginal person to join at CMO?
1: Nope. Um, I'm a firm believer that um, this is, you know, we need to work together on this. Yeah. Um, Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people. And one of the reasons is that you know we settled on the notion of Terra nullius, which is land belonging to nobody, and yeah. that affected all people in Australia. like it it obviously had the effect of dispossessing Aboriginal people mm. that we often talk about and we should still talk about. But the other flip of the coin was that it also raised of people that had no opportunity to learn mm. about who we really were, yeah. you yeah. know and 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 that's that's a sad thing too. um and so we really need to change that. And part of our education system needs to start changing that so that's what yeah. I, I believe that we all need to,
0: yeah. yeah so we Absolutely. all need to do it together it's yeah. uh yeah thank you i'm looking at uh, the the website atsima and uh you have really nice resources there including videos there's stories uh, papers and so on a uh, really good resource and i understand that it is growing so uh just check regularly. I'm going to look up the uh, Aboriginal astronomy website as well and link it to the show notes uh, as well. Uh, And uh, I think that looks very interesting too. And uh, anything else that we mentioned will also be in the show notes. So um, how can people get in touch with you, Chris?
1: I do have an email on the APSIMA website. Um, I do have Melinda who works with me mm-hmm. and she does a lot of my emails, so response from her, maybe or myself. Sure. Um, okay. um, but um, do give us a bit of time to we do get a bit of traffic, and there's only two of us so far. <laughs> <No problem. laughs> Hope to grow grow more, so um, uh, but you know, we, we do eventually get to you.
0: You also um, on Facebook, contact us. Uh, you're on LinkedIn. I'm on, on Facebook, on yes,
1: yep, that's right, oh. that's right. Twitter also, <laughs> and I do have a personal Twitter account as well if you want to follow me on that, but um they are probably wasting your time We you want to ask someone's a better one.
0: Do you tweet? <laughs> do, you, do you tweet occasionally? this
1: is the problem. Occasionally.
0: Occasionally, <laughs> yeah. Same here. Like, I know the importance of tweeting, but I uh, just <laughs> I can't get myself like, to take time off my work and get into social media and start posting stuff. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I'm struggling here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah maybe, right. maybe it's our
1: generation eh?
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, kids can just do it non-stop but i oh, mean it it's hard for us <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you very much chris it was a true pleasure i learned a lot again uh and uh, the last three days i had uh, three podcasts and each one was like uh, an eye-opener uh, so thank you for taking the time oh. <laughs> and uh, it's me and our audience
1: no, thank you very much, Peter. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: That's all for this episode. The notes for this episode that include links to many of the resources mentioned and information on how to get in touch with Chris are available on our website, techexpirations.com. Each episode comes with its own page on the Tech Explorations website and a goldmine of information in the notes. This STEMiverse podcast episode was produced by Tech Explorations. Do you have any questions or suggestions? Would you like to nominate a friend or colleague to be our guest? Please email us at pa at txplore.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for the name of our podcast, STEMiverse. That's S-T-E-M-I-V-E-R-S-E. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time.